Hey Pios, welcome back to The Piopod, a podcast created by the Pioneer Log to help you stay connected with the ideas, projects, humans, and events that make up Lewis and Clark College. I'm your host, Charlotte Powers. The Piopod releases a new episode every other Friday, along with the Pioneer Log's printed issue. This is our final episode of the semester, and we have some great stories to share with y'all today. We will be talking about what steps LC took to support students during the general election, Portland Trailblazer CJ McCollum and his web series on political activism, and an interview with Caitlin Chow Issei and why she created an Instagram page on sex positivity. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. Our first interview is with Jillian Jackson, a regular guest on our show. Jillian wrote a news article discussing how this year's general election affected Lewis and Clark. Hey, Jillian. Hi, Charlotte. Okay, so in this article, you basically give us a rundown of how the LC administration was preparing for the chaos that that is that followed the general election. Um, we were just talking about before this recording started about how what a mess last week felt like and how our mental health just felt uh, had hit rock bottom. And ELC administrators knew that was going to happen, according to this article you wrote. So the LC administrators expected a decline in mental health in the days prior and following the election. You spoke with a contemplative and spiritual life coordinator, Jean Lilly, who hosted a loving kindness meditation on election day. What was the purpose of this event? Yes. So the purpose of the meditation, um, like most of campus programming, was to bring campus together at a time when we can't all sit together in, say, um, a room in Templeton and watch the election results trickle in. Um, to have a moment to take to sort of connect to each other was something that Lily really emphasized uh, and to take a deep breath before any of the results came in because many members of the Lewis and Clark community were anticipating what of course eventually happened, which was we didn't know election night and we were continuing to wait for more results throughout the week. So to really take some time and be intentional about taking a deep breath uh, in addition to of course working on schoolwork and watching the results. Wow. I should have attended this event. I forget. I don't know about you, Jillian, but I feel like so many LC students, even, of course, professors as well, or anyone who's invested in this election, felt like they couldn't breathe. And I think they needed a reminder to take those deep breaths. And I definitely needed that <laughs> uh, looking back on last week. In this article, you captured, I think, what is a really important thing that Lily said, which was that the re- election results uh, we're going to affect some people more than others uh, due to race, gender, and sexuality. Did this me- meditation address any of that? Uh, well, I think that the the demographic factors themselves like were not explicitly addressed in this event. Certainly, Lily really emphasized to participants in the meditation that because um, you know the meditation is guided and so she'll say certain things. Um, but if those didn't resonate or someone wanted to say something else by themselves, that is fine. So she really. Uh, cared about this being a very tailored to the individual event. 
uh, and welcomed all perspectives, um, not only students, but also there was some staff, there were some parents and some grandparents of students as well who, who wanted to be there um, with their kids or their grandkids, but couldn't. Um, so definitely there was an emphasis on an open perspective, if not that explicit conversation about race, gender, and sexuality. I see. So it's more of a, an event meant to unify and, and just come together as a, a collective group um, and just sort of comfort one another in a sense. Um, did you did you attend this event yourself? Yes, I did. Uh, I attended, and I think there were um, quite a few students, and then also some students who were um, at sort of attending in pods together, or who were with their families at home. And what was your overall takeaway from the event? Did you enjoy it? I did. Uh, I thought that on a day when I knew that for the Pialog I was going to be covering other events as the results were on TV in front of us, and I knew that those were going to be stressful, um, both because I am, you know, watching and covering other people's stress and because of the own stress that I am feeling, uh, being able to take a moment where I didn't have the map of the Electoral College up on my screen um, was, was quite helpful and quite refreshing. And I think that Many of these events that are looking at sort of the mental health aspect of the election really emphasize sort of taking that moment to um, to breathe and to sort of distract oneself in a healthy way from what was going on. Good for you, Jillian. Good for you. I, yeah, I really regret not going. <laughs> um, but I'm glad, you know, the results are in and at least we know uh, what the results are and we can start, you know. Uh, getting back to schedule. Let's transition to the next event you attended, which was you walked over to the Platt Hall uh, in the common room where a number of LC students were watching the results come in. You spoke with a few students who had quite different answers um, in regards to who they voted for and why. Can you share some of their responses? Certainly. Yeah. So the second event that I attended was actually um, Two students who I interviewed, Emily Wagner and Rowan Marino, who are in my sort of COVID pod. Mm. Um, and they also happened to talk to Manu Scora, who is another sophomore. And everyone had sort of a different party affiliation. Uh, Emily Wagner is not officially registered with either party. And I think speaks for, for a solid chunk of the LC population in saying that perhaps where they grew up is generally a lot more conservative than our more liberal campus. Um, they ultimately chose to vote for uh, Biden. One of the, the things they talked about is how they have more liberal LGBTQ views, but uh, more conservative views on drugs. Uh, another student who I interviewed who uh, voted for Biden was Rowan Marino, who is a registered Democrat, but also like quite a few LC students, perhaps doesn't ideologically exactly align with that party. Uh, and they spoke uh, quite candidly about sort of the personal stakes that they feel that they have in this election uh, as a queer person, as a Latina person, as someone who has um, friends and uh, family members who are part of the immigrant community. They spoke that it has been a scary last four years for them. And so that really influenced their vote uh, for Biden, even though perhaps Biden is not as progressive as they would like. Uh, and then the, the last student I spoke to, Manu Scora, is an unregistered libertarian, mm. uh, and he actually um, is sort of in the, the minority on campus in that he voted for uh, the incumbent President Trump um, for the reason that he said uh, he chose to vote that way is that uh, he was really worried about the COVID-19 response uh, under a Biden administration. He was worried about us uh, continuing to shut down, and he did not feel that was the correct response. So that was a different um, and sort of unexpected perspective that I got from that uh, second event. Absolutely. Um, that 
it's funny those those interviews you mentioned two out of three uh voting for biden one out of the three voting for trump two-thirds is not necessarily a demographic that showed um up on the pio poll that was reported about two weeks ago an overwhelming majority uh, of lewis and clark students and faculty voted for biden harris ticket um, but nevertheless, uh, we have to acknowledge that there are um, a diversity of political views on campus, regardless of how they are skewed. You mentioned that the Office of Inclusion and Multicultural Engagement, the Feminist Student Union, and Genta Latina Unida LC served as safe spaces for students this week, in addition to the meditation that was held. What are some of the things they did to provide support? Yeah, so many of these affinity groups really what they did is they hosted uh, open safe spaces, usually on Zoom or another uh, virtual platform for um, you know students who, who identify with that marginalized identity to just sort of debrief the election together and, and to discuss um, in a safe space where they know that others will value the experiences that they've had because they've all had you know a fairly similar experience because of that identity marker. Mm. Um, and I saw that those those events were hosted both the night of the election, before the election, toward the end of the week when we were fairly certain or starting to see a picture um, develop where it looked as though Biden was going to win, you know, even on Friday night with that that last bit of uncertainty before the race was officially called, um, there was some events on campus for, for students to get that support that they need, uh, which I think based on the interviews I did is is quite vital. Um, speaking to Marino, they spoke about how, you know, it's really frustrating to be checking the polls and trying not to check them during class when you have such a, a personal stake in this election. Um, so that, that ability to have a space to be vulnerable, I think, was really important for students. I'm going to ask you a follow-up question. For a student, for someone who's living on campus this semester, and I, I imagine presumably for the whole academic year, um, did you find that LC provided enough resources during this election? Do you think that they could have added more? Some thoughts on that. Uh, I think from like my own personal experience, it was certainly a mixed bag. Um, something that I really appreciated. Um, I didn't actually attend this event, but I know that some of my friends did. And so to know that their mental health was better, helped mine be better, um, as they went to the ASLC watch party, which mm. was an in-person event, uh, which I think was really important for people to be able to be in a physical space with each other. As for the LC community at large, I think there were some professors, um, I know there were some professors of mine who were amazing and accommodating and assigned less homework or gave students the space to talk about their feelings about the election, which I felt was really wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, I also know there were um, some professors, both in my own personal case and in speaking to other students about this, that maybe um, were not as aware of the fact that that was causing an, uh, an issue, concentrating or focusing uh, this week on the material. So I think it really depended on um, the individuals. I wouldn't say that I have a an overall generalization of how the community did. Um, but I will say I was pleasantly surprised by the number of events that are offered um, for those safe spaces for students, because um, I think that that, that is really important. Because while we're all nervous and we're all stressed about something that's going to affect us, I think uh, it almost goes without saying some students are going to be uh, more affected than others. I think that's perfectly said. I think I, I agree. I also had that same experience um, in regards to professors some being accommodating, some providing their classroom as an open space for dialogue, and some others uh, didn't tackle that head on. Um, and I think that's something 
perhaps the faculty and administration um, should address for future years and events to come. I would agree. Well, Jillian, as always, a joy to have on a incredible news source here at the Piopod and at LC News in general. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Charlotte. Our second guest today is Ariel McGee, a regular contributor to the Pioneer Log. In this issue, Ariel wrote an article for the sports section on the Portland Trailblazers guard C.J. McCollum and his new web series. Hi, Ariel. Hi, Charlotte. Okay, so let's jump in. You wrote an article on C.J. McCollum, who is a guard for the Portland Trail Blazers. I'm not familiar with the team nor the players, but I'm sure many LC students are. And he recently made this show called Remaking America, a conversation with C.J. McCollum. What is the show about? Um, yeah, so the show is mostly promoting activism within the sports community. Um, so CJ is the host every every episode, and he often has, or he's planning to have sports guests and um, politicians, um, community activists, and just politicians in the community. And it's a panel, so all of the people who come onto the episode sit and just talk about um, these issues that are in society today. I see. So it's kind of a combination of athleticism and political and, and, and racial activism. Does that sound about right? Okay. Yeah, we, we're definitely starting to see that combination um, or those two sectors unite over the course of recent years. So that makes, that makes sense and it's relevant. Um, so Colin's first episode uh, features now Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, uh, Jazz's point guard, Donovan Mitchell, and the 76ers forward, Tobias Harris. What exactly did they talk about? Um, they talked about a lot of things, but I think the main points um, were definitely voting. This was before the election, and they were really promoting voting registration and getting out the vote, either on the day of the election or through mail-in ballots. They talked a lot about racial injustice and activism and the importance of having representation in the politicians that we see elected. They also talked a lot about the education system and the, you know, dichotomy of public and private schools, Mm -hmm. because all three of the athletes that were on the panel had gone both to public and private school. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of, I guess, ignorance in their, like, private school lives in terms of like who they are and who their peers were. Kamala Harris talked about her relationship with John Lewis mm-hmm. um, and and she talked about Thur- Thurgood Marshall and just mm-hmm. like how these um, two black men really helped her get to where she is today and how it would really be disrespectful to her ancestors. Um, to not vote and she feels that way for other people as well 
Yeah, I know. Uh, that's a really interesting conversation about the private and public schools. Um, I I know from personal experience, I went to private school all my life, you know, from k- kindergarten to senior year of high school and now private college. Um, and, I, and I definitely understand where those athletes are coming from in regards to the, the ignorance and the shelter views of private school kids. I almost wonder if that same ignorance or sheltered view can be said for LC students. What do you think about that? Definitely. Yeah. I think LC students really consider themselves to be activists and to be woke. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just think that there's a level of ignorance in in terms of like groups of white people Mm -hmm. um, discussing the problems with America that have to do with people of color right um and there's just a lack of diverse opinions um within a lot of circles i would say yeah i i agree with that assessment um so this round table uh featured a politician having a serious discussion with professional athletes when i think about that initially that's not a group I would necessarily put together at a dinner party. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just they're very different sectors, various different fields. And upon first glance, it's just not something that I would see being put together. What did you think? Did you think it was odd? Did you think it was a productive group? What are your thoughts? Um, no, I didn't think it was odd at all. And I think especially in the year 2020, when um, sports teams and, and individual athletes have been really stepping up and using their platforms um, to make people aware of the things that are going on in America, mm-hmm. to make people aware that police brutality and police killings are happening. They've been happening and they will continue to happen if the system isn't changed. And I think politicians and athletes just have a really big responsibility in terms of using their voice to propagate information in a way that's accurate and informative and using their platform to represent the ideas and make the changes that they want to make in the world. Yeah. No, I can definitely see that aligning there. Speaking of platform, the show aired right before the election. Did you feel Harris was trying to make this important conversation on racism and police brutality a political advertisement for her campaign, or did you think it was authentic? I think that the conversation was very authentic and that she really just talked about her experience mm-hmm. and and how athletes and individuals can make a change in their society um, through voting and through using their voices. But I also think that um, anything a politician does in the days leading up to an election is is to promote their election and to promote their ideas and to tell people who they are and why they should vote for them. And maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing if the conversation about police brutality and racial injustice is not overshadowed or is not put at the expense of this sort of broadcasting, this political broadcasting. Would, Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And I think that there are probably a lot of misconceptions about politicians and about the the Biden-Harris campaign and ticket. And so she really tried to explain certain things that are really politicized right now, like economics 
and she used the public and private school conversation to just really explain how the people you put in office decide how to fund schools Mm -hmm. and when public schools don't receive adequate funding there's no way that they can compete with private schools which creates more inequality she also talked about the difference between equity and equality Mm -hmm. and she said that the biden harris ticket really promotes equity you know not everybody starts at the same place and so before you move everybody up in society you have to focus on the people and who have the least opportunities for success at this point so what did you think would you recommend this to other lc students i definitely would and you know i don't really watch sports but i i follow the portland trailblazers specifically because of the activism that they do within the portland community and the ways in which they promote equity in the portland community the blazers boys and girls club was completely funded by the Blazers Foundation. And they have a racial justice and equity fund that they use to fund community organizations. And they just have really been doing a lot of really cool things. Um, And not just in the year 2020, it's been one of their goals for a long time. And so I think you don't have to understand anything about basketball to enjoy this show. It's really just athletes being more than athletes. Mm. And I think that's that's really cool. I think that's cool too. Well, okay. I, I enjoyed reading your article and I'm sure not only just LC athletes, but other LC faculty and staff will be very interested and eager to take a look at this show. Thank you so much for joining us today. segment of the show is with Caitlin Chow Ice, a sophomore SOAN major here at LC. Caitlin was featured in this issue talking about her sex positivity account on Instagram. Today she's going to tell us a little bit more about what her account includes. Hi Caitlin. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so your Instagram account at the sex talk is so cool. It's just, it's so cool. It, I I recently followed it because of the article I was reading, and I already love the content that is showing up on my feed. Can you explain to our listeners what your account teaches and promotes? Sure. So I wouldn't call myself a sex educator of any sorts, but I think that the page is a good platform for all of us, me and everyone who follows it, to just collectively grow and learn about sex and about our identities and just about how to experience pleasure. I think that's sort of the main goal of the account. And so I read a little bit saying that you, you know, before you came to college, you were always really open talking about sex, um, that you wanted to be, I think, a gynecologist for a long time. What, What inspired you to start this page? Well, the 
catalyst, I guess, was that I had taken my first gender studies class in last spring, and then it was over, and I suddenly had no outlet to talk about all of these issues that I wanted to talk about. And I had seen and been following some really cool people who were doing similar things on Instagram, um, but it didn't feel exactly like that was what I wanted to be seeing. I wanted to tailor it and talk about my own experiences. And so I was just keeping in my notes app name suggestions for the account and mission statements for the account. And one day I sort of just decided to do it because it was quarantine and I didn't really have anything else to focus on. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's really awesome. I'm really glad that, you know, you've always sort of had this interest, but that, you know, your time and your education you receive at LC sort of, you know, open that open that inspiration for you. I think that's really sure. ins- inspiring. Um, so I, I read a little bit that you told Julian, the writer of this article, that you sometimes worry about being in the sex positive community as an undergraduate student. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I think there's two sides to the coin of being nervous about it. The first is that I am exposing myself in a very vulnerable way to whoever wants to be there. And there's definitely some safety risk with that. And so, you know, I try not to say where I go to school or really anything about myself besides the fact that I'm a student in Oregon. And so that can be a little scary, but then I guess the more anxiety-inducing side of it is that there's a lot of imposter syndrome that comes with doing anything for most people, but especially being one of the youngest of my peers in this online space, it can be really daunting. I don't have any credentials. Um, I don't have much life experience and so that can be nerve-wracking but luckily I've gotten a lot of reassurance from people telling me that I don't have to have it all figured out and that I'm doing what I can for being an 18 year old (laughs) so I guess that is source of fear for me I I understand that and and by imposter syndrome for for our listeners who don't know what that is by that you mean you don't want to present as something as someone knowing everything about this topic because of the quote-unquote lack of credentials that you have is that is that what you mean yeah exactly I feel like sometimes I feel like oh I shouldn't be doing this because I'm not qualified enough to do this Mm. Uh, I understand where you could come come from that position but also sex and sexuality is such a human thing right it's something that we experience in in different forms perhaps that very fear and that anxiety has kept people from either having those conversations from creating those platforms on instagram and you've done that so i think you've actually done a a, a huge service to those who, who simply didn't have that courage but you do and i think that's really awesome yeah And so the article also talks about how your identity influences a large part of the content. Uh, What are some of the ways in which your identity can be seen through the things that you post? 
I think in an account that's like mine, a lot of the driving force is sort of just things that feel pertinent to me or things that are going on in my life. So I think by its nature, everything has to do with me. And sometimes I feel a little self-centered in doing that. But, you know, for example, as a queer person of color, I am often talking about issues of race and issues of heteronormativity. And there are definitely some accounts that don't have those experiences. And so they're not talking about those things at all. Um, So I'm kind of glad that I have the ability to do that because while I'm talking about my identity, I'm actually talking about what a lot of my followers are wanting to hear about and needing to connect with in terms of how that all relates to pleasure and sex and sexuality. You also have, I think, in your in your bio that I read, something about the large part of the content you choose to post is about, quote-unquote, about you, but you also want to create, from what I hear, an inclusive space. How do you sort of balance that? Okay, here's something that this post is going to show about me, but also can include my general audience. Is that something you think about? I wouldn't say that it's something that I think about often, but I have been hearing feedback, especially lately as I'm dealing with Instagram wanting to delete my account and fun things like that, that people are are saying, you know, we don't want to lose you because you're creating this safe space. And I think that even while I'm not doing anything intentionally to make sure that every experience is represented in everything that I post. I think it's just me being willing to share what people want to hear and also just being vulnerable. I think people don't realize that they can be vulnerable sometimes, especially when it comes to this. And so I think that's been really helpful for people in creating sort of like a safe space to go. I find it hard to believe that Instagram would want to delete your account. I mean, your content is not explicit or or offensive. It doesn't spark any red flags to me. I mean, I don't understand. That's a whole other conversation we can go into. But <laughs> um, yeah. this this idea of vulnerability is something that is, is, is super important, right? Because it's, it's something that we, you know, naturally as human beings don't want to delve into because it's it's so uncomfortable. Do you think that is related to this sort of pressure that you mentioned that comes with talking about sensitive topics like sex, sex toys, and resources? I think so, because I don't really feel a lot of worry with talking about those things, but I know that that is not true for most of the U.S. population. I would probably say that like 95% of people don't want to talk about that, and I think that it sort of starts with us being vulnerable, the people who are being in this space um, and talking about these things and just being open having conversation because there is a lot of fear of like cancel culture within the community because it is such a justice oriented um, space. Mm. And so 
that can be scary, but we have to strike a balance between saying what needs to be said and educating the community at large, but then not stepping on anybody's toes within the community. So it's a very difficult balance to find. Mm. Yeah, but you somehow find it. I've certainly had my run-ins with other people, but I'm trying my best. I think it is impossible for me to not ruffle feathers. Um, And that's sort of, I guess, why the message that forced me to start this account was that I'm going to bump into people and I'm going to make mistakes. And I might as well just start it because I want to. Mm. I was very nervous about getting canceled or about people not liking it. And there's certainly been people who have unfollowed me um, or who have started wars in the comments, but I'm still here and I have people who are paying attention. So I'm just going to keep going as long as I can. And that's what matters, right? People appreciate what you're doing and what you're posting. And and I can certainly be one of those people to say that. So thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. And Caitlin, this has probably been one of my favorite interviews and and stories to have on the show. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. That means so much. (laughs) I appreciate you having me. The music for today's show was provided by Ketza and Chad Crouch. A special thanks to Jillian Jackson, Ariel McGee, and Caitlin Chow Ice for joining us today. If you have any stories you think should be aired on this show, don't hesitate to email me at thepiopod at lclark.edu. If you have any suggestions as to how this show can improve, you can always contact me using the email above. That's all for this semester, but we will be back next semester in early February. Be sure to join us again to hear the latest news happening at Lewis and Clark College. See you next time on The Piopod. Thank you.